podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Those of us who have the high joy and privilege of being parents know that it's important to teach our children about telling the truth. Of course, the whole idea of teaching our kids that it's important to tell the truth comes out of the Eighth Commandment, that you shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. But as our kids get older, we also have to teach them the importance of the social or white lie. Do these pants make me look fat? Sometimes it's best just to tell a little bit of an untruth. But this morning's readings are really about the matter of who tells the truth and when so much as the actual telling of the truth. Jesus's encounter with the demon suggests that it actually matters who speaks as important as what they speak. Immediately there was in their synagogue, Mark records, a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now I ask you, isn't that the truth? Is Jesus not in fact the Holy One of God, the Christ sent by the Father? And is he not on a mission to destroy the forces of Satan and evil in the world? Yet, even though the demon seems to be speaking what is, pardon the pun, gospel truth, Jesus rebukes him. Jesus rebukes the demon and says, be silent and come out of him. Now, why would Jesus not want the demon to be telling everybody the obvious truth? And it's not like this is the only time this happens in Mark's gospel. In fact, Mark is unique amongst the four gospels that the only people, the only entities in the gospel that proclaim that Jesus is the Christ are, in fact, the demons until finally a Roman centurion at the cross says, surely this man was the son of God. The message is the truth. What the demon says is correct, but the messengers are highly problematic. Now, on the other side of the messenger equation from the demons are the disciples and prophets and apostles and patriarchs of the Old Testament. We're often told, especially in Sunday school, that the Bible is full of people of faith, and that is absolutely true. But we have to remember that being a person of faith does not immediately make you trustworthy in everything. Abraham, from whom we are spiritually descended, in fact, from whom something like 60% of the world's population claims to be spiritually descended, was one of those people of faith. And yet Abraham lied to the Egyptians about Sarah being his wife, instead telling them that He was, she was his sister in order to provide him some protection from them while he was living amongst them. 
King David would be another one of those people that we call the great hero of the faith, the great king of Israel. Jesus is called the son of David, not the son of Solomon. And yet David also lied to the priest Ahimelech in order to get the bread from the altar in the temple for his men to eat because they were hungry. He lied to the priest saying, oh, we're here on a very special mission from King Saul. And, and we have his permission to go ahead and eat what only the priests are supposed to eat. Well, if the king commands it, what are you going to do? Except that wasn't the truth at all. And then there's Peter. The rock. The one that Jesus says, well, he will build his kingdom on his confession. You remember John 18, verse 25, where Simon Peter was standing and warming himself around that charcoal fire. And one of the people around the fire said to him, you also are, are not one of his disciples, are you? Which, of course, he denied and said, I am not. Now, is that the truth or a lie or something in the middle? He was his disciple at some point. Maybe he's renouncing it now. At a minimum, then, he's flip-flopped, and we all know what we think of flip-floppers. Why would we ever trust Peter's word again after what he said around that fire? Is this the same Peter of John chapter 6, when Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to also go away? And Simon Peter, the rock, answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Out of those very same lips and mouth, Peter denies ever being Jesus' disciple. So on the one hand, we have the demons who speak the absolute gospel truth. You are the Holy One of God. You've come to destroy us. And on the other hand, treasured patriarchs, kings of Israel, and disciples who get caught in outright lies. It's as I said at the beginning, that it seems, according to scripture, that who is speaking the truth is every bit as important as what they speak. The question then before us this morning is, why? Why does it matter as long as it's the truth? Well, going back to our unclean spirit and their leader, Shaitan, the accuser, we know for certain that they do not serve God. They have absolutely zero interest in exalting God's purposes. In fact, they have set themselves against God's will for you and for me. The Old Testament book of Job is the key book for understanding this contrast between the work of shaitan, Satan, and God. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord, saying, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, 
does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Satan's primary desire, the demon's primary desire is for us to curse God. Satan and the demon's primary desire is to prove to our creator that we are instrumentalists. What is an instrumentalist? It's one that believes something or does something to get a gain out of it. That we only love God and worship God and pray to God as long as God does something for us. As long as God looks out for us. As long as God bless us. But the minute that blessing seems to be taken away, surely, Satan says, we will turn our backs and instead serve him. There's Satan in the garden, in the serpent, deceiving Eve. The serpent says to the woman, if you eat of the fruit, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And at the last temptation in the wilderness with Jesus, when Jesus is tempted to worship Satan, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Whether Satan tempts us to make ourselves God or Satan outright asks us to make him God, His primary desire is for the true creator of the universe to no longer be the object of our faith, our worship, and most importantly, our trust. Therefore, the demons, when they speak, lie. Even when they tell the truth, they're lying. It's what Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the Jews who refused to follow him and listen to what he had to say about the father. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why even, Even when the demons seem to be speaking the truth, they are not permitted to speak at all. Moses puts it well in our Old Testament reading when he reminds the people what the Lord has spoken. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak. And I could add here, as Luther often liked to do in the Bible, even if it's the truth, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Even if that prophet is not a human, but a demon. Yes, Jesus has come to cast out unclean spirits. But the reason why the demons are not permitted to speak is in part because the greatest of unclean spirits is our own uncleanness. It's our own unclean spirit, and our own difficulty with dealing with matters of truth and fiction. 
The great writer Denis Diderot once said that we swallow greedily any lie that flatters us, but we sip only little by little at a truth that we find bitter. We are children of Eve, sons and daughters of Adam. We desire to be like God, not for God to like us. And for us to be saved and cleansed, the demons cannot bear. They do not want to see it happen. And so Jesus silences them even when they speak the truth. The disciples, on the other hand, for all of their failings, have been called specifically that we might be saved. When they open their mouths, it's to proclaim the gospel, even for themselves. Take Paul who in our reading from 1 Corinthians this morning has to deal with this whole business of eating idol meats, which seems kind of odd to us in our day and age, but the principle is very basic. You have different religions that are operating all throughout the Mediterranean world. And in the temple worship, oftentimes food was offered in sacrifice to the various gods, whether that would be Zeus or Apollo or Artemis. And then that food instead of just going to waste, to be sold in the marketplace for people to eat. Certain Christians felt that they could not, in good conscience, eat that meat because it had been offered to false gods. Whereas other Christians said, but it's not offered to anything because those gods don't even exist. Now, Paul could have simply come in and laid down the law. And so, look, here's the rule. I'm the apostle. Um, the new bylaw, chapter 17, section A, verse C, uh, part two is to not eat meat offered to idols, except on Wednesdays between the hours of 4 and 8 p.m. Paul doesn't do that. And in fact, never does it in his writings. Rather than laying down the law, Paul appeals to the good news of what Jesus has done to cleanse our unclean spirits. First of all, he says, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. If you've got people walking around saying, well, I'm the smart one and I'm going to lay down the law, then you don't really understand what it is Jesus has done in leveling us all out and calling each and every one of us to repentance. Then Paul says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, how does he apply this? He says, and so by your knowledge, if you're one of these people walking around and saying, I'm like the demons, I know the truth. Jesus is the Holy One of God. He's come to destroy the powers of evil, and now I'm free to do whatever I want. If that's the knowledge you're carrying around, Paul says, then you can destroy a weak person with that knowledge, the brother for whom Christ has died. And thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. So Paul says, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This is a principle the demons could never have understood. But Paul is taking the gospel to heart. Whether you eat meat to idols or don't eat meat to idols, Christ has died for you. He has mounted the cross that your sins might be forgiven. He has emptied death's tombs. 
in order that you might have eternal life. And if God has done that for you and he's done it for your brother, then you have to look at your brother through that lens. This is a message that only the apostles can bring, that the demons cannot fathom. And so in Mark chapter 8, we have this great encounter between the greatest of disciples and Satan, all wrapped into one person. Jesus began to teach the twelve that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Those who set their mind on the things of God are not always perfect. We continue, because of our sinful nature, to struggle with the truth, even as Jesus leads us into all truth. But those whose minds are set on Satan and his will are perfectly evil, and they can never use even the truth properly. They will use even the truth to their own ends to accomplish their own purposes. And so while Jesus tells the demons to be silent, to us flawed, sinful people, he says, speak. Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy One of God. He was indeed sent to destroy the demons, Satan and their lies, and even the forces of evil obey him. We speak that his fame and redemption may spread not just to the ends of Judea or Galilee, but to the very ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.